Hi folks, welcome to this week's edition of the Finance Hour. In this week's show, I speak to a Finance Hour favourite, Roger Montgomery of Montgomery Investment Management. We have a great chat about the current state of the share market, following a really good run over the last year or so. But of course, there are exceptions, the banks. Roger gives us his take on how his thesis has played out about the banks. In Ruben's rant, I talk about super funds taking people to the tennis and the footy. And the propeller head of the week is about a fantastic calendar booking software which I've put in place in my business. As usual, please head over to the Finance Hour iTunes account and leave us a rate and review. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to the Finance Hour. Whether you're listening live on JR or on our podcast, this is the show where we help make sense of the world of business and finance and hopefully help you make better decisions in your financial life. My name is Ruben Zelwa. I'm a financial planner and owner of Adapt Wealth Management. We're a boutique financial advice firm that work with professionals, business owners and those planning for retirement. And we're based in Station Street, Malvern. Now, I've been doing this podcast for about 19 months. This is episode number 43. So I welcome you to search any previous episodes. You can search the Finance Hour on iTunes. We're on Stitcher as well. Uh, You can go to the Adapt Wealth website. uh, Or you could even go to the JO website. They're on there as well. And uh, if you do go to iTunes... Please leave us a rate and review, and it'll just mean that we can reach more people, and that would be much appreciated. Okay, well, uh, in today's show, we are going to be speaking to a favorite of ours, uh, Roger Montgomery from Montgomery Investment Management. Uh, We haven't had Roger on the show for a little while. We're going to talk about the Royal Commission, banks, and the state of the current share market, and it's always great to have a good chat with Roger. But a bit of a word of warning from our lawyers, Uh, anything that you uh, hear today is general information only. Uh, You shouldn't uh, go away and implement it without first seeking financial advice from a a financial planner, accountant, lawyer, anyone else, or you can just make the decision yourself and take responsibility. Or alternatively, you could bring a mate over for a barbecue and while you're turning the sausages and having a beer, ask him for his view and then you can go from there. So it's a little bit of a shorter show today, uh, about uh, half an hour in total. It's a bit short and sweet, uh, but hopefully you will still enjoy it. I always want to be doing this every single week. Uh, So what we're going to do is, Roger won't be available for a couple of minutes. I'm going to do uh, the two segments, Ruben's Rant and Propeller Head of the Week, uh, very shortly after a little bit of music. Okay, now it's time for my Propeller Head of the Week. Propeller Head of the Week! Now, the Propeller Head of the Week this week is about another fantastic app I use in the business, which is called Calendly. What Calendly does is it allows people to book in times in your diary for different for meetings. We've probably all used that when we book to go to the doctor or the dentist, uh, but this is very useful. It's probably particular for professional services like ours. You can set all different types of meetings, a 30-minute meeting, an hour meeting, and you can set all parameters around when people can book them, what time frame you need in between each meeting. 
Uh, and it's really very, very useful. It also sends people reminders as well. So I use it now uh, when I'm getting people to book in meetings with me. Rather than going back and forward on emails or back and forward on phone calls, I literally just send them a link uh, to my diary. They open it up. Uh, they can select a time that works for them. And uh, you know it'll also set what the location is and send them a nice reminder a day before the meeting. It's made things a lot easier. It saved my time. It certainly saved uh, Bettina, who works with me plenty of time. And it's just a fantastic little software program. And it costs about 8 bucks a month, so it's cheap as chips. Okay, we are going to take another short break. Okay, well, now it is time for Ruben's Rant. Ruben's Rant! Now, my rant of the week this week is about the Royal Commission, believe it or not. The show goes on. And yesterday on the stand, they had the head of Host Plus, which is an industry superannuation fund. And lo and behold, Host Plus, as it turns out, has spent $300,000 on tickets to different sporting events. They take employers to it. They take some of their staff as reward. They spent about two hundred and sixty grand on the tennis tickets and about $40,000 on AFL Medallion Club. Now, this might upset some of my financial planner colleagues. We as financial planners have been unable to take any kind of financial uh, incentive above $300 from anybody for quite some time. Um, But in terms of this, in terms of the super fund taking people out for these things, I mean, let's be honest. Most of these events are full of corporates anyway. You try and get tickets to the AFL Grand Final, about 70% of it is corporates. You could say exactly the same thing about the tennis and about the Melbourne Cup as well. So unless we're going to stop every kind of bit of corporate entertainment, let's just take a little bit of a chill pill and let this one go through to the keepers. Surely there are more important things for us to be focusing on, particularly in this Financial Services Royal Commission. Okay, so that is Ruben's rant. Welcome back to the Finance Hour. We've got a Finance Hour favourite on again. Hasn't been with us for a while, but we have Roger Montgomery, the Chief Investment Officer of Montgomery Investment Management. Roger, welcome. Oh, thanks, Ruben. Delighted to be with you. Excellent. Now, Roger, uh, the show goes on. The Royal Commission, travelling show now into its, I don't know, sixth or seventh session. Now, we've discussed on the show before with you, or some time ago, um, that you were a little bit negative on the banks. I think you couldn't. You said you couldn't see where their growth was necessarily coming from. But uh, in addition to that, as a result of what's coming out in the Royal Commission, do you think that's going to represent a significant barrier to banks' uh, future growth, or is it just another thing they're going to take in their stride? Well, well, well I think um, our thesis is playing out exactly as we described to you in our last interview some some months ago. Uh, and, and uh, in fact, Matt Common, who uh, reported the CBA's results, um, said exactly uh, exactly what you've mentioned in your introduction, and that is that credit growth uh, is under pressure. Mm. Uh, he's expecting he's expecting system growth of about two percent, um, and he observes uh, a, a rise in bad and doubtful debts or, or mortgage delinquencies. Yeah. He expects. He also stated um, unequivocally that as more people are moved across to principal and interest loans uh, from interest-only loans, mm. remembering that APRA, as a, by way of background, APRA has imposed on the banks a limit of 30% of all new mortgages That's written right. being interest-only. Uh, yeah. Sorry, being, uh, yeah, interest-only. Mm. And so... Uh, and their price lower, aren't they? 
Yeah, people will be forced mm. onto uh, onto principal and interest because in 2015, which was the peak of interest-only loan writing, uh, about 46% of all mortgages written in June of that year were interest-only. So mm. there's going to be a very large proportion of people in 2020 that will be forced onto principal and interest, and it's rising from today. Yeah. So Matt Common said that as as that tr- as that uh, transition occurs, uh, he expects to see more defaults, more delinquencies, and, uh, and more bad and doubtful. And that's probably going to have an impact on the whole economy as well, because people are going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be paying a bigger portion of their expenses on income. That interest only thing, I do, only one thing I would just say on that is that it did, for a short time, give a bit of a tailwind for the banks because they increased their rates on interest-only loans. So it did did give them a short-term sugar hit, didn't it? Well, interest-only loans uh, are a more profitable product for the banks than a principal and interest Mm. loan. So there will be pressure on the banks, not only from credit growth as the growth slows because they're lending less money, they're lending to fewer people, uh, and, you know, they're they're also, you know, they're black banning uh, individual suburbs and postcodes, Mm, mm. um, many hundreds of them. Uh, so th- that simply means credit is being pulled back, uh, which means that they're going to grow at a slower rate than they have in the past. We expected that. Now, you mentioned that it'll have ramifications for the rest of the economy. That's, that's probably true. Uh, at the moment, uh, what we know is that property prices are coming off. Mm. Um, we know that the volume of transactions is slowing dramatically. Uh, we yeah. also know that demand for uh, demand by owner occupiers for uh, renovation and uh, or, or what are called um, alteration and addition loans, um, so renovation loans, we know that they're falling off a cliff mm. as well, mm. uh, and consequently that will have an impact uh, on um, on salaries or wages or earnings for construction industry contractors. Mm-hmm. So there's some. There's some impact that's occurring. Uh, it's expected at the moment that that, that that impact will get worse before it gets better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we know, for example, I mean, th- these are, you know, some interesting stats, and I know stats are pretty boring, but, you know, there's been a, a 20% year-on-year collapse uh, in loans for um, for renovations. Mm. Um, you know, that, that's that, interesting, because you would have thought if, people, if the transaction people aren't buying or selling as much, I would have assumed that... It would be the other way that people would actually be renovating as opposed to, you know... Well, it seems to be affecting... Well, because price. property prices are dropping, less people are buying property expecting to be able to renovate and, mm. and flip it, you know, for a profit. So we're seeing um, total lo- total home loans, for example, now, you know, in June this year they fell 1.2% month on month. They're now down 8.4% year on year, which is mm. the largest fall since about Easter 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it's it, it's interesting, and then uh, you know there are there are a few analysts that are that are predicting high double digit declines in in loan growth. Uh, Matt Common said exactly that. He's the CEO of the CBA. The CBA has the biggest mortgage loan book in Australia, uh, and uh, you know he's he's articulating it and making uh, mince, not mincing his words, saying these things are going to slow down now. On top of that, you've got Mervac's results that came out. Mervac said that uh, they, this last year gone, they sold, they're the property developer, mm. and they sold 3,277 lots. Mm. Uh, they're forecasting 2019 sales of 2,500. So, 
a pretty substantial drop in, yeah. uh, in lot sales. So that means less development demand, less development mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had AGL come out. Uh, and what was interesting about AGL's result was the um, you know, rather stunning 22% increase in bad and doubtful debt. So in other words, people uh, missing payments on their gas, on their utility bills. Mm-hmm. Well, what, uh, so there's some pressure out there. Maybe not for everybody. Yeah, the, you know, it, the aggregate numbers still look reasonably benign. Mm, uh, but at the edges, uh, there are some analysts that are observing some cracks forming. Yeah, well, everyone says the economy is going well and that inflation's not high. But certainly, you know, when I see those clients of mine who are in that sort of retiree phase, yeah. um, you know, their inflation is going up for them. Their sort of cost of electricity rates, etc., uh, energy bills are going up a lot. So, um, you know, I think it's very different for different people depending on their consumption. Yeah. But, um, I mean, talking about the market as a whole, obviously we're now at back at 6,300 points. Uh, at the height of the market, it was 6,700 back before the GFC. Obviously, if we take dividends and the like into account, you know, the market is well above its previous highs. Uh, and, and I guess, uh, you know... That's I'm your sure money that you've reinvested. You've put that back into the market. That's why that's when you true. look on a dividend reinvested basis, it goes up because you're putting more money you're in. putting your own money it's back like in. It's like putting your own money back into a bank account. You know, your that's bank true. It's like re- yeah, reinvesting the interest. Yeah, correct. But, but in any event, I mean, I will put it to you, and I'm sure you'd agree, there's basically two factors which drive company performance. Uh, one is is growth in the economy in general, so general market conditions, and the second one is obviously that particular business performance. So now with the market having had a pretty strong rebound at six three hundred, I mean you've expressed your view on the banks. How hard is it to find uh, companies that are trading on the market at reasonable value? We're not finding. Uh, I want to say anything. <laughs> mm. um, you know, we're finding very little. Mm. We've got about, across our funds, we've got between 20 and, you know, depending on the day or the month, you know, between 20 and 25%, mm. even 30% cash. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you think that's unusual and, and yet have a, look at, have a look at Berkshire Hathaway in the United States, Warren Buffett's company. Mm. He's got 100 and, about 118 billion US dollars of cash, which represents about 25% of the market capitalization of Berkshire Hathaway. Mm. Uh, to put that in context... Um, Berkshire Hathaway could have bought, with its cash, it could have bought any of the lower 450 companies in the S&P 500 outright. Mm. So with the exception of the top 50, any of the others could have been bought outright last year and they weren't. Yeah. So why was that? Well, it was because there's not value available. Mm. So you, you think that's the case yeah, both in Australia and in overseas markets? Indeed. Yes, it is. But, but if, we, if we look at you know, particular businesses which can which can perform well and sort of significantly above the market, you're saying you can't even, you can't find that either well, that are trading yeah, at good value. there's a couple value. of companies that we've invested in relatively recently that we, you know, or, or ones that we've invested in a while ago that we think still represent value. So mm. we, we, I've been, you know, you know, rather, rather infamously bearish on Telstra mm. uh, for some time. We, in fact, we all have. They... They've been, for many years, been paying out 100% of their earnings as a dividend, leaving nothing for growth, and that's allowed Optus to catch up in terms Mm. of the quality of its network. Uh, Now the share price, you know, the share price has dropped from $6.56 or $6.59 back in February 16, or February 15, rather. Uh, It's come all the way back down to $2.70, $2.80. The story's very different now. All the bad news is Mm. really in the price. 
uh, and um, you can't imagine things getting a lot worse than than what's already been baked in. So you're actually seeing some value in Telstra now. Well, it, it looks as though you know, even if even on a you know on a sort of steady as she goes basis or business as usual basis, the mm. value is probably slightly higher than the share price, and if if they can actually generate uh, generate growth in the future, uh, that's not in the share price. But is it business as usual? I mean, from what I can see, the outside, I mean, they're just a shrinking company. I mean, they're, they're offloading a huge number of employees. Uh, obviously, you know, their fixed-line business is deteriorating. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it looks to me like, you know, I'm guessing well, the that they're going to be a shadow of themselves. That's not, that's not the core business. The core business is the mobile business. Mm. And... What they're doing is 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 a very deliberate strategy to make life a lot harder for TPG, who's announced a fourth mobile network. Mm. But to put TPG's uh, investment uh, in context, you know they're, they're looking at spending six hundred million dollars over the next three years to build mm. out their network. Last year, Optus spent one point five billion. Yeah. Vodafone spent a billion. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to get there with six hundred million. More than that. That's right. So yeah. Not going to so get the they quality. They will cherry pick. They yeah. will cherry pick the, the the customers that give them the best margin. Mm. Uh, but the response to the response to that is to innovate, cut, cut costs, uh, and um, uh, and yeah, innovate, cut costs, reinvest, uh, which is what Telstra is doing. Qantas did the same thing to Virgin uh, when Virgin started a capacity war with them, and and uh, and Qantas won out. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so the, yeah, well, know, everyone's focused. Everyone's focused on the on the on the um, earnings hole that'll be left by the NBN one-off payments mm. that, that will cease in uh, a few years' time. Uh, but already, Andy Penn has indicated that uh, indicated that the cost-out program that he that he started off with a billion-dollar target, you know, he's raised that to two and a half billion dollars. He's gone mm. some way to filling that gap. And they certainly do have like the highest quality network, don't they? Now, See, what that's really important. Mm. I mean, that's really important to understand because globally, globally, you know, the, the best quality network gets the most customers, and the company with the most customers earns the best margin. Yeah. Well, I'm going to the snow on Sunday, and there's no question that Telstra have got the best coverage over there. Yeah, right. So <laughs> yeah. when I'm on the lift checking my emails, it's probably be- I'd probably be better off if I had if I was with Vodafone, then I wouldn't have to check them. Anyway, Roger, just on the, back on the Rock Mission for a moment. I mean, other big company that's taken a real massive hit is is AMP, and there are probably yeah. other a couple other fi- big financial services companies. What do you think the future is for a for a company like AMP? Well, it takes a, it takes decades to build a reputation, and, and you can destroy it in a few minutes. Mm. Um, AMP has done that. Yeah, uh, you know, and so it's going to be a long, long time. Um, before uh, before they are able to get to the point where you know, their staff you know are excited to be involved mm. with the company, and when you don't have staff excited to be involved with the company, it's very difficult to grow that company. It's an interesting one because that's a, that, that's not something that people think about so much. I think about the reputation for everyone else, but the reputation internally, Indeed. as you say, there'd be a lot of stress on that, wouldn't there? Correct, correct. Mm. Uh, and so, it, 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 look. The, it's not been a high-quality business that's appeared on our radar even prior to the Royal Commission. Mm. Um, in fact, I've, I've, I've often used it in talks as an example of the sort of business that you don't want to own. Um, there is, a, there is an, perhaps an appropriate price for it, but uh, well, you know, we haven't seen that price yet. Mm. Do you think they can read... I mean, obviously, there's huge reputational banks, uh, reputational issues going on with the with the banks as well. Do you think they can recover from that? Yeah, they, yeah there'll be no problem there. And, mm. and, 
And in, just remember, in 30 or 40 years' time, the population of Australia will be double and the banks mm. will be writing a lot more mortgages than they're writing today. Right. So, uh, you know, the long-term future for the banks is, is actually very good. Mm, that's interesting uh, you say that. Mean that, they, that doesn't mean that they're um, immune to you know, shorter-term cycles. So your concern with the banks is more just the, sh- the very much the shorter-term... Uh, but uh, but if, if you took, like, a 20-year view, if I bought them for my kids... Um, now and help them for 20 years, you reckon they'd be good? Or you probably reckon you'll have a better entry price price down the track? Correct. Yeah, I think the yeah. latter. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I think. Okay, terrific. Well, Roger, uh, I'm going put, to put you on the spot here, but just uh, can you give our listeners sort of a couple of tips, maybe even three tips, uh, for investing in the current sort of market conditions? Uh, um <laughs> Do you mean stock tips? No, 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 I don't mean stock tips. I mean just in yeah. terms of assessing... Well, keep an eye on, keep an eye on, um, on uh, short-term treasury rates in the United mm. States. Yep. Uh, and, um, and, and be very cautious between now and November when the US midterm elections are on. Mm. Uh, one thesis that I think has merit is that you know, Trump could potentially lose some of his uh, autonomy... Uh, after the midterms, and so he may be rattling the sabre a lot more aggressively between now and November. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know, we've seen that. We've seen that with China. We've seen it with Turkey, and who knows what's around the corner. And, and you feel like that that's a really important consideration, even for people investing in Australia. What's going well, on? What Trump's doing? Well, some of the work that some of the work that uh, uh, our portfolio manager Tim Kelly has done here um, shows that you know, in, in in periods where you get uh, you get significant market volatility or, or corrections in the market, um, variance between markets tends to reduce. Variance, right. variance between stocks tends to reduce. In other words, yeah. they sort of all go down together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, so zip up your wallet if anyone tells you that you know Australia hasn't gone up as much as the S and P five hundred. Therefore, it won't go down as much. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, when things go down, they can uh, they can go down together. Oh, Roger, look. See, it, see it as an opportunity, not necessarily as risk. That's true. Okay, Roger, look, thanks very much for your time. It's always great to have you on the show. And uh, wish you a good day, and uh, hopefully you can find uh, a bit more value over the next couple of months. I hope so too. <laughs> okay, then. Okay, all the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well, that wraps up our show for today. Thanks very much for listening in. Uh, I encourage you to search previous episodes on our iTunes account, search the Finance Hour. Otherwise, I uh, hope to hear you again next week. We've got another fantastic guest who is going to be in the studio. Until then, have a great week.